Hey, what are you doing? Oh, burying your cat, Mr. Bootsy. I loved Mr. Bootsy. I guess you love Mr. Bootsy too, huh? Because he's your cat. Well, was your cat. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you come to church with me? Because all cats go to heaven, and if you go to church with me, you can find out what happened to Mr. Bootsy. I don't think that's the way it works. Yeah, I think it is. No, that's accurate. I don't think it is. That's what happens. I don't think it does. All cats go to heaven. It's not the way it works. Are you calling me a liar? So do you want to go to church with me? Has anyone had an awkward experience like that where you're, you're try, either you're the invitee or you're the inviter and you just, either the person really has no idea what to say and they really want you to go to church and they're like, yeah, um, church is good, um, cats go to heaven. Like, when I, when I invite people to church, I, I'm an incredibly awkward person as it is. Like, I always say the worst things, I never know what to say. When I invite someone to church, it's just like it throws another wrench into everything. And like my tongue, I say weird things, like things that aren't even true. And like, yeah, sure, there's many ways to heaven. What? No, just come to church and they'll correct you. They'll tell you the right thing. And so, and so invitation can be hard. It can be scary. It can take the, the most calm and collective person and turn them into a crazy person like we saw in those videos. But we believe that our God is a God who who's gave up his life to invite us into relationship with him. We believe that the gospel message of Jesus dying on the cross reveals such a, a, a God with a character that invites other people. And because of that, if we have the gospel, or if the gospel has transformed us, we too should be people that invite others to hear the story of Jesus. Have we allowed that truth to change us? Do we invite other people to hear the gospel? Let's pray real quick. Jesus, thank you for inviting us. I pray that you be with us today. In your name we pray. Amen. So, like with invitation and inviting people, how many um, here has, or has been too afraid to try something new all by themselves? There's been like a new experience that you wanted to try and it was too scary to try all by yourself. Or maybe there's a new place you wanted to go and it was like you were too afraid to, to try it by yourself. Anyone have those moments? Like maybe those of you that are single, there's someone that you would like to talk to, but you're too afraid to go up and talk to them by yourself. So you need help. Some of the younger people are nodding their heads. But um, it's, it's really hard to, to try something on your own. I, I, I myself am always afraid to try new things on my own. I need someone else to come with me before I'm willing to try someone. I need someone to first invite me and to, to go along beside me before I'm willing to try something new. I'll never forget a time that Allison's brother, Andrew, got me to try something new. So, so Allison's brother, Andrew, and I have been friends for a long time. Even before I started dating Allison, um, her brother, Andrew, and I were friends. And one day we were hanging out, and we were sitting in, in his house, and he was telling me about this amazing rope swing. He was telling me, like, um, there's this rope swing. He lived in Youngstown, so you could swing right into the river. It was like this amazing thing. And he kept talking about it and talking about it. And I lived there for a few years, and I had never seen this rope swing, never knew this rope swing existed. And so, yeah, I'm coming up to that point. And so I had never... I, I had never heard about this rope swing, and so there was no way I would have ever known to have tried it. And so 
there's no way I would have ever got to try it, but he kept inviting me, and so he finally got me to get up and go to the place. And we go right by the rope swing, and we see signs like this, which the sign says, if you can read this, you are within range. And we see other signs like, keep out private property, keep out, we'll call the cops. And there is my personality. I'm like goody two-shoes. I saw those signs, and I was like, I think that means we shouldn't go there. But if you know Allison's brother, Andrew, he's not super good at two shoes. And he's like, no, no, it'll be fine. And so he, he keeps inviting me. He's like, come on, come on. And I'm like, all right, I'll go. And so a bullet flew by and we kept on. No. It wasn't that insane. But we go through and um, we go through the private property. And again, he just kept inviting me. And there was no way I would have tried this or gone uh, or ignored those signs if it wasn't for him inviting me. And so we get there and I see the rope swing and I start to get really nervous. I started to get nervous for a few reasons. The first reason is I see how high we're up, and I look, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is really high. I'm a little bit afraid of heights, and so I see how high we are, and I start to get a little nervous. And then I look at the rope, and I see how old, run down, and torn this rope looks. And I knew that myself as a close to 200-pound man, this wasn't going to end well. And so I was nervous, and I definitely didn't want to try it. And I wouldn't have been so nervous if it broke mid, the rope broke mid-swing if I would like land into this deep, like nice blue water. But three-fourths of, if you were on the swing, three-fourths of the swing would be over these huge, sharp rocks. So that if the rope broke, it would be painful. And then even if you made three, past three-fourths of the way, even if you made past the rocks, like the first part of water was like a half a foot deep. That was really scary. And so the only way for this to work was for you to swing all the way to the very end and release at the very last second. And then you would fall into like four feet deep water. And so I was nervous. I like overthink things. And in my mind, I'm like picturing me swinging rope breaks. Um, Like Allison's crying out of closed coffin because I've been destroyed by these rocks. And so I'm getting so nervous. And Andrew's like, no, no, you should try it, dude. It's going to be totally fun. He, he throws in the bro. Come on, bro. I'm like, ah. he's like, come on, you can do it. And so I still didn't want to do it. So he decided, he's like, here, I'll go first. And so Andrew goes and swings. And that's why I don't have a brother-in-law. No. <laughs> No, no. He goes through, he grabs the rope, he swings, he gets to the other side, he lands in the water, and, he, and it looks like a blast, and he, it looks like it was the coolest thing ever. So he finally convinces me to do it, and I go, I grab on the rope swing, and I jump, and I swing, and I land in the water, and I'm fine. And it was so much fun. I was so glad that I finally was able to do this thing. I didn't know about it. I didn't know how amazing it was, but Andrew constantly invited me and invited me and invited me, and eventually I was willing to try See, that rope swing, like I said, I would have never known it existed. I didn't know it was there. There's no way for me to ever have known it existed or to know it was there if it wasn't for Andrew's invitation. And even, even if I knew it existed, I would have been too afraid to try if he hadn't first invited me and shown me himself what it was like to swing on that rope swing. And the same is true when it comes to the gospel message. The same is true in the the idea of our salvation or the idea of us being able to know who Jesus Christ is. See, Jesus Christ knew that that we couldn't know, that we wouldn't have known of a way to be saved. We wouldn't have known that a way to be saved existed because it didn't. There was no way for any of us to be invited into a relationship with Jesus Christ until he came and died for us. And so Jesus came and he died for us so that he could invite us to try the rope swing or to try a walk with him. He invited us to take the risk. Jesus Christ paid the price so that we could be invited. The gospel message reveals that our God is an incredibly inviting God. 
Will that challenge us to invite our other friends? And first off, will that challenge us to accept his invitation? So, since the beginning of time, God created a man. And this man, the very first man, and all the men since, have chosen sin over God. What that means is, that can sound a little abstract, but essentially what that means is, from the very first man, we've decided that we love something more than God. Whether it's we love our success, we love money, we love um, just being good, whatever it is, from the very first man, we all have had a precondition in our hearts um, since we turned away from God that we love something more than God. And so Jesus saw that there was no way for him to invite us back into a relationship with him. Because we had chose sin over God, there was no way we could be saved. There's no way we could be with Jesus again. There's no way we could be with God again. And so Jesus, who is an amazing God, sees that there is no way for us to receive an invitation to join and be in heaven with him, decides to make a way. And so Jesus Christ leaves heaven and comes to earth. And he, he comes to earth to die for us so that we can receive an invitation. The whole gospel message is the story of the ultimate invitation where an amazing God comes so that we can be invited to life with him. And while Jesus, who is God, is on earth, he lives a perfect, sinless life. And we see that the whole reason he's here is this amazing, amazing feat of, of him trying to invite us. We see the whole purpose of him coming to earth is to invite us. We see that the character of God is one who invites others. And you also not only see that in the huge message of the gospel, but just in how Jesus treated people when he was here on earth. Jesus would invite children to come and hang out with them. He would invite sinners and irreligious people to come and hang out with them. He would invite... Um, uh, men to follow him wherever he went. He invited men to spend their life with him. He was constantly inviting people in and around his life. He even would invite the criticism and the questions from those who wanted to kill him. There was this group of, of very religious people. They were called Pharisees and high priests. These guys were super, super religious. They, they did all the right things. They would be the ones who go to church every single day. They pray. They wear the right clothes. Um, they give money. They do all these amazing things. And they've developed this very, very strong religious image. These people that were Pharisees and high priests. These people had chosen their religion over God. They really loved their religion. And so these people were very upset with Jesus' nature where he was inviting people in. See, these very religious people had worked hard to build their status, and they would never invite uh, irreligious or, or a sinner to be with them. They didn't like that Jesus Christ would actually hang out with someone like this. And so they would constantly ask questions and try to trap him and try to trick Jesus and try to get him to say something that they could kill him. And so one of these times, Jesus was sitting and he was talking to irreligious people and he was sharing um, a message. We don't really see the, a lot of that message, but he's, he's like preaching to these people that are irreligious and don't really know who God is. And all these religious Pharisees come over. And so they, they start to ask Jesus questions. And Jesus sees that he has two audiences before him. He has an audience that's highly irreligious, that doesn't really know who God is, doesn't really follow God. And a highly religious group that is, insane, is insanely into being good, doing the right thing. He sees his two audience and he sees the question on all of their hearts. He sees that both of these two different groups are asking, who does God invite to be with him and what does he require of his guests? And so Jesus, seeing the, heart, uh, the hearts of these two very different people, decides to answer their questions with the story. I love Jesus because he, one of the reasons I love Jesus is he's such an amazing storyteller. And so he answers their questions with this story. He says this, The kingdom of heaven 
can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fatted cattle have been killed. Everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. So Jesus starts his story and he says that a king invites all of these people to come to a wedding feast for his son. And so these people, it would be like for us, we received a gift from the president. Think of your, your favorite president and think about him and say that, imagine if he personally sent an invitation to you to come and eat dinner with him at the White House. How many people would turn that down from their favorite president? No, you'd, you'd be absolutely insane. You'd be crazy to, to turn down a request to have a meal with the king but, or, or have a meal with the president. I'm sorry. And what was crazy is these, it was even more so uh, insane for someone to turn down a meal with the king, to turn down the king's banquet. And yet that's exactly what these people did. They turned down a chance to eat with the king. So the king sends another messenger and again they turn him down and they actually kill his messengers this time. And they, they refused to go and be with the king. Why did, why did these people decide to... We said that it would be insane for us to not want to eat with our favorite president if he invited us to go to the White House, that none of us would turn that down. But why did these people turn it down? Why did they turn down a chance to eat with the king? The reason... I originally thought it was because they had better things to do or because they liked things more than the king. But as I began to study the text a little bit more, I realized the reason that they turned down the king's invitation was because they thought they had earned the invitation. They believed that they were invited because of the high status they had. They weren't grateful for the invitation because they thought, I have earned this invitation. They thought, because of my high status, because I uh, have this big farm and I'm wealthy, of course I'd be invited. Because I am this amazing businessman, of course I would be invited. And so I refuse to go and be bugged by this king because I earned the invitation. What these people didn't realize, though, was that they didn't earn the invitation. The reason that they got the invitation wasn't because of what they had done, but it was because of what the king's son had done. They received the invitation because of what the king's son had done. If it wasn't for the king's son, there would have been no feast to go to. If it wasn't for the king's son, they would have never received an invitation. And, and to, to assume that they were on equal par of, as the king's son, that they were, as worthy, uh, they were worthy of the king's son, was a huge mistake. They had a messed up perception. They thought they had earned the invitation when in reality, the only reason they received the invitation was because of the generosity of the king's son. And because they ignored that, because they didn't believe that to be true, they were killed. And so Jesus continues his story and he says this. He says, the king said to the servants, now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. The banquet hall was filled with guests. But the king, king came in to meet the guests, and he noticed the man who wasn't wearing the proper wedding clothes, or proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and his feet. Throw him into the utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
So the king here, he goes and he shows how far his invitation will stretch. It wasn't just to the wealthy, the businessmen, the, the farmers and, and those that had high status. But we see that Jesus, or I'm sorry, the king invited both the good and the bad. The king invited those that were really good people. The king invited those that were really bad. He invited every single person to come to his party. And now what the story, it doesn't tell here, but what it implies is that because the king invited everyone to his party, he would know that many of the poor people wouldn't have garments or wouldn't have the proper wedding garments. He knew that poor people couldn't afford the nice, expensive wedding garments. So for him to require someone to wear a wedding garment that was fit for a king would assume that he gave out those clothes. What the story is implying here is that the king saw that none of the people had nice enough clothes on their own, so he gave them the clothes he had earned, the clothes that only he deserved. He gave those to all the people and asked that they just put them on. And so the king knew that they couldn't afford these nice garments, so he, he gives up his own garments for them, and yet one of the people that he calls friend. And it's interesting here, he doesn't call guests, he doesn't say, um, he doesn't just call you, you royal servant or whatever, but he says friend. And, and with that, I, I sense like a, a, a little bit of heartbreak in this king, that his own friend, who he gave up his clothes so that he could have, wasn't willing to put them on. And so because his friend wouldn't put on the garments that the king had given him, he was thrown out of the party. He was thrown out of the party. And so this story here, this story here confronts the religious and those who are irreligious. This story, as Jesus is telling this parable of the king, he's he's confronting the religious who believe in their hearts that the reason they are saved is because they have earned it. The reason they have an invitation is because they earned their invitation. And this story also confronts the irreligious that thinks that it shouldn't matter that I wear the royal garments or it shouldn't matter that I follow this one God or it doesn't matter that I should put on your righteousness because it should be good enough that I have an invitation. The story confronts both the the irreligious and the religious and it also also is true with the gospel. The gospel message, which we're going to get into, confronts both the religious and the irreligious when it comes to us receiving the invitation. The gospel message shouts to those who are religious the same message that the story of of the wedding proclaims. It shouts out this. It's not what you've done that earns the invitation. It's not what you've done that earns the invitation. It's what the son of the king did for you. See, see this first group, and, and this is, for me, this is the group that I find myself falling into, is I tend to be more like these religious people. I've been saved, like, I always joke that the first thing, I, since the, I was old enough to raise my hand, I've been saved. I raised my hand for salvation. I've been saved since I was like two years old. And um, my whole life, and I haven't done a lot of things to give my parents a lot of gray hairs. I haven't made a lot of bad choices. I've been a pretty model, model kid growing up, and, my, and I've avoided some of these major sins. And so, because of all that, over time, I've started to develop this feeling or this sense of entitlement. I've started to, I I very easily fall into believing that I've actually earned my invitation. That the reason that I'm saved isn't because of what Jesus did for me, but the reason I'm saved is because of what I did for Jesus. I I think many of us who have grown up in church or have been saved for a long time, we start to to get on that side of things where we start to believe in that we earned our invitation when in reality the only reason that we have this invitation is because of what the Son of the King did for us. 
See, if, if um, the last couple years, really, God has been speaking into my heart because I had gotten to this point like two years ago. I'm, I'm a minister. I'm all these things. I'm doing an amazing job. God owes me because I've done amazing things for him. And God started to speak to me, and he said, you believe that you've earned your salvation. If you could earn your salvation, why would I come and die? Why would I die for you if you could earn it yourselves? Earn it yourself. And so God and Jesus here, as he's telling the story, he's confronting those who are religious, those Pharisees. And I believe he's confronting a lot of us today who have been saved so long that we've started to believe that we have earned our salvation. That we didn't earn the invitation. The invitation wasn't given because of what we did. But the reason that we have an invitation is because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross for all of us. The gospel message confronts that, that, that we are in need of a Savior. The gospel message confronts that we couldn't have earned the invitation, so Jesus Christ came and died for us so that we could receive that invitation. So that we could receive Christ. So that we could have our lives transformed. See, we, we say that it's hard to, to try new things without an invitation. I talked about that, how like the rope swing, never going to happen if I wasn't invited. But like I said, Jesus Christ knew that it was impossible us, for us to have an invitation if he first didn't come and die for us. There was an, it was impossible for us to have a life with God. It was impossible for us to, join, to be at the party if it wasn't for the Son of the King, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ dying for us. And so the gospel message confronts us and says that this invitation is given out to every single person, not because of what these people have done, but it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. Now, if you're more on the irreligious bent, you really like that truth. You're excited, like, yeah, that's right. All you religious hypocrites, like, you think you're so good, but Jesus died for everyone. We all have an invitation. And that, that side of the gospel really speaks to your heart. But there's another side of the gospel. There's another side of this the story of the wedding feast. There's another side that confronts both the irreligious too. Those who, those who believe that I should be, that a loving God should accept every single person to heaven, that there shouldn't be a hell. Those that believe that if God is really loving, then everyone should get to go to the party. But the gospel message shouts the same message that the story of the wedding feast shouted. It shouts this message and says this, that you need to wear the garments that the king has given you because the king paid a high price for those garments. You need, to, you need to wear the righteousness of Christ because Jesus paid a high price so that you could put those garments on. Now, now that might be confusing. Like, garments, what, what is he talking about? I deal with teenagers a lot, and they're like, they'd be like, okay, so I have to wear these, like, holy clothes? What's he talking about? It's like, I knew I should have worn my tie when I preached today. You know, I'm not wearing the right garments. But what this means is that many times if we're irreligious, we have a problem that God would only accept those who believe he is Jesus Christ is the Lord. We have a hard time believing that there's only one way to heaven. We think that you should be able to wear the Buddhism garment. We believe that you should wear the Isla- be able to wear the Islam garment as long as you're seeking the invitation out. You should be able to wear the, the atheist garment. You should be able to wear just the good person who's not really religious garment. And Jesus says, and what the gospel message tells us is that if you believe that, if you really believe that, it shouldn't matter what God you believe in or who you follow. If you really believe that, then you don't understand the high price God paid so that you could put on his righteousness. If, you, if you're really struggling with how could a loving God um, expect us to actually believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, if that's your mindset today, I would say that you believe that because you haven't grasped, grasped the high price Jesus paid so that you could be forgiven. 
Those wedding garments weren't free. God's righteousness wasn't free. But Jesus Christ actually had to come to earth and die for you so that you could be forgiven. I was listening, this is totally not in my sermon, but I was listening to a secular podcast that was just talking about the crucifixions throughout history. Uh, crucifixions um, um, and how, like, it was, the, I think the title was, like, the most inhumane practice um, of our human history or something like that. And they were talking about how disgusting, how horrible, and how painful that death was. This is the price that our God paid so that we could put on his garments. This is the price that our God paid so that we could be forgiven of our sins. This is the price that our God pays, paid so that we could put on his righteousness. And so it doesn't, it, the gospel message reveals that to me, and so it doesn't, I don't think it's too much of a requirement for him to expect me to wear those garments when I realize the price he paid. It doesn't seem like too much of a cost or too unjust for me to have to believe that he's the one true God. That doesn't seem like such a high price for, for me. I don't think that it's unfair because I realize what Jesus Christ did for me when he died on that cross. The gospel message shows us what Jesus Christ did. It shows that to those who are religious, it shows that you didn't earn your salvation. You couldn't have earned the invitation, but the invitation was given because of what Jesus did. And the gospel message shows those of you here that are more irreligious and, don't, and believe that there should be many ways to heaven. The gospel confronts you and says that the reason you believe that is because you don't recognize the high price God paid so that you could be forgiven. The, what's, what's really cool about this story and what I love about this the story that we see here today is that there wasn't a matter of limited invitations it wasn't the reason that people were refused um, from the party wasn't because they didn't receive an invitation. It wasn't because there wasn't there. It wasn't because there was no way for them to be saved. There, it wasn't because there was no way for them to come to the party. But the reason that they weren't in the party is because they refused the king. The only way for us to miss out on the invitation is for us to mi- to refuse Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of limited invitations. It's a matter of limited responses. Our God is a God who invites us. It's, we have an amazing God who invites us to, to spend a life with him, a God who would pay the high price so that we could be invited. And so I would challenge you guys today. Have you allowed that invitation to tra- change your life? If you're here and you find yourself falling more on the religious side of things, if you find yourself uh, more inclined to believe that you have earned your salvation and you, you feel that way and you, you get upset when bad things happen to you because how could, they, how could bad things happen to me because I've done so good, I've done so many good things. If you find yourself in that area of life where oftentimes you're mad at God when bad things happen to you or when good things happen to you, you think it happens because you've earned it or you look down on other people that aren't as holy as you because deep down you believe that you've earned your invitation, I would ask that you allow the gospel to confront that view and see that you didn't earn your invitation. The invitation wasn't given to you because of what you've done, you've done, but it's because of what Jesus Christ did for you. And for those of you who that are irreligious, I would challenge you too. If you've really struggled with this idea that Jesus has to be the only way of salvation, I would say, think about the high price he paid for you. If that's actually true, then I don't think you would say it's too much for him to ask that you believe and follow in him. I believe that when we, we hear this gospel message and when it penetrates our hearts and our minds, when it really begins to influence us, it should move us to change. 
I believe that when we hear this gospel message, both the religious and irreligious should move more to the center and begin to follow God. I believe that when this gospel message transforms us, we'll begin to accept his invitation um, with joy because we realize we haven't earned his invitation. And we should accept his invitation with joy because we realize he paid a high price so that we could be invited. I believe that the gospel message will do that in our lives if we understand it, if we believe it, and if we follow it. But I also believe it'll do another thing in our lives. Not only will we accept his invitation when we believe these truths, but we'll also begin to invite people to know him. I think just a natural response to the gospel message is we should want to invite others to hear the story of Jesus Christ. We should want to invite others to hear about what God has done for them. And there's some problems. It's, it's scary. Inviting people can be awkward. We saw in that video, like, you could end up telling people their cats are going to heaven and you don't know what to do. Inviting people can be really scary and tough. But what I believe is that the gospel, as it penetrates our hearts and minds, will begin to help us overcome those fears. For those of you who are more on the, the religious side of things and where you struggle with believing that you've earned your salvation, what the gospel can do and how it can help you invite is it's so freeing to know that you didn't earn your invitation, but that God gave you that invitation. That you didn't earn the invitation, but you received it because of what Jesus Christ did. And so when you invite other people, maybe, maybe, and for me, this was my fear because I was more of a uh, irreligious, or I'm sorry, more of a religious person where I was very, very into just being good and those things. One of my biggest fears in inviting other people to church or inviting people to hear about God was I didn't think they would want to do it. I didn't think they could do it. I didn't think they, w- they could be a Christian. I didn't think they could get their life in order. And I didn't think they would want to hear about how to get their life in order. But what the gospel message reveals and how it removes that fear is it says that that's not what you're inviting them to. You're not inviting them to be better or try harder. What you're inviting them to do is accept the invitation that Jesus Christ freely gave for them. And so the gospel message can confront, for those of you who are more on the religious side, it can confront your, your issues and your, your fears with inviting other people as you see that it's not by what you've done that, that you're invited, but it's what Christ has done for you that you've received the invitation. And for the irreligious people, those that, that find it difficult to believe that Jesus is the only way, and maybe you're more on that side where maybe you're saved, but you still have a hard time. You don't want to oppose your viewpoints. You don't want to be seen as religious. Um, you don't want to be seen as, um, um, what, is, what, is the, what is the word? I can't even think of it. Um, ah, it's escaped my mind. You don't want to be seen as, um, ah, the word just disappeared. Intolerant. There we go. Found it. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit was like, I'll help this guy out. He's lost. <laughs> For those of you who maybe have been recently saved and are still more, more irreligious and don't want to come off intolerant, you don't want to come intolerant and say Jesus is the only way to heaven. What I think the gospel message will do is will it encourage you to invite other people because you'll realize the high price that Jesus paid so that you could be invited. The gospel message should move us to accept his invitation and it should move us to share that invitation with others. But it can be hard. It really can. It can be hard to share that invitation. Um, we, we need help. It's scary to do. And so here at Living Word, we want, we want to help you guys out. We want to make it easier. For some of you who God's really been speaking to you and your hearts have started to change and you realize, I, I, I believe in the gospel message, I believe in what Christ has done, but I'm still a little too afraid to invite other people to, to church or to invite other people to know who Christ is. What, what we've done at Living Word is we've made a way to try to help you guys out this week. 
And so the first thing to know is next week is Easter Sunday. Everyone knew that? Did everyone here know next week's Easter Sunday? You might not know this, but this is the Sunday that more, or this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the Sunday that more people attend church than any other Sunday of the year. This is the Sunday that your friends that don't go to church, your friends that used to go to church, your friends that went to church a really long time ago, this is the Sunday they're more likely to come to than any other Sunday of the year. And so what that means is this is the Sunday where you're more likely to get a yes to your invitation than any other Sunday of the year. And so if there's one week of the year that you would invite your friends, your coworkers, or your family to know Jesus Christ, this would be that year. And also, it can still be a little tough to invite people. You still might be, all right, okay, cool, this is the best, year, the best week of the year for us to invite our friends, but I'm still nervous, I still don't know what to do. What we've done, and you've seen on your seat, is we wanted to, again, help you guys out, help you take that first step. And so on your seat, there should have been a little card, a little Easter promo card. And what that is, is it's an invite card. And so for some of you here who are like, man, God, God really, I'm so moved by what God did for me, how he invited me to be with him, and I want to invite others, but I'm not sure what to say. We have a card that you can just give to someone, a family, a coworker, a friend, and say, we're having this church, we're having an Easter service this Sunday. I'd love to see you there. And that'll do all the talking for you. I would encourage you guys to take them to, to, to bring them to your job or take them to, to wherever you are with your, at your fr- family's house, your friend's house, and to invite someone to church this week. Not because inviting people forgives you of your sins. Not because inviting people will make you more religious. But because Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus Christ invited us to be with him. And so we should, in turn, invite others to know who Jesus is. If it wasn't for Andrew's invitation, I would have never known about the rope swing. And even if I did, I wouldn't have went. Most of us need an invitation before we try something new. Will you be that person that invites someone to hear the gospel? Will you be the person that invites someone to hear that Jesus died for us so that we could be forgiven, that he paid a high price so that our sins could be removed? We serve an amazing God. We serve a God who gave up his life so that we could be invited to a life with him. Will we follow him? Will we invite others to know him? Let's pray. God, I pray for those here today that are more religious like me, God, that you would speak to all of our hearts, that we would stop trying to earn our salvation, God, but we would trust that you have earned it for us. And God, that we wouldn't let the fear of a boring um, walk keep us from inviting our friends, but we would realize, God, that following you is an exciting, amazing thing. And God, for those that are irreligious or maybe those that haven't really even accepted Christ yet, that have struggled with the idea that you would, be the, you would require one way for us to be saved, God, I pray that the high cost of your death would sink into their hearts. God, that they would see what you did for them, which, what price you paid so that they could put on your righteousness and follow you. Lord, I pray that all of us, God, w- would seek you more, that the gospel would change all of our lives. I pray, God, that you would move us to accept your invitation and to invite others. We love you so much, and we're so grateful for all you've done. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
that's it for, for this Sunday. I would encourage you guys as you leave to take those cards out and go and to invite your friends, invite others to church this next Sunday because we serve a God who gave up his life so that he can invite us to be with him. All right, you guys can be dismissed. Thank you for coming. God bless you.